Hey guys, you're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly Guinea Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. This week's guest needs no introduction. Harley Flanagan created the Chromags, one of the most influential bands in hardcore punk, metal crossover, speed metal, whatever you want to call it. The Chromags' debut record, Age of Quarrel, as well as their follow-up, Best Wishes, will go down as classics. Harley was generous with his time and indulged us with a thoughtful, introspective discussion, as well as some hard facts about the band, some upcoming stuff regarding the new record, and some killer dates with the Misfits. If you like this show, share it with your friends, repost on social media. If you want to get at me on Facebook, it's Michael Hill. Instagram, Michael underscore DC underscore Hill. First of all, I'd like to congratulate you on securing the Chromag's name. And um, that, there are so many things associated with that. But the first thing I want to do is say how awesome it is that as soon as I learned about you securing the name, there was new music available. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I don't. I don't fuck around. I mean, you know, the, the album's done. Um, we're, we're remixing a couple songs. You know, this was a, this was a rough, a rough battle, dude, you know? And, and what I don't think a lot of people realize is that I've actually always owned the name, right. you know? And, um, you know, these other guys have been basically touring under that name, you know, without permission and illegally and, you know, and honestly, you know, I mean, I think everybody knows that I've been making attempts to try to bring everybody to the table for years, you know, that, that, and, you know, nobody else was willing to do that, but not only were they not willing to do that, they thought that it was somehow okay for them to take a name that I had come up with and songs that I had written and run around playing them. And it's like, no dudes, it's not okay. You know, um, I had been sending cease and desist to clubs and, and to merchandise companies and all this bullshit. And basically, you know, these guys are just like, you know, do something, do something, you know, because everybody knows it's very, very expensive to get into like legal battles. So it's like these guys were basically just playing chicken with me. They're just like, fuck you, you know, and, you know, I had two kids to raise. I didn't have a lot of money to, to get in, into a legal battle, but, you know things changed and um you know i was able to to do this you know with the with the support of you know my wife and 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 you know the people in my life i, I said you know i i took it back you know I, ironically bro you know what lemmy fucking came to me in a dream and this sounds stupid but this motherfucker came to me in a dream and he said take it back mate it's yours you started it and I fucking woke up out of that dream and I was like, what the fuck? Like, it was one of those dreams where the shit is so real that you like wonder if it actually just happened or not. But, but of course, you know, Lemmy's dead. So I knew it didn't happen. <laughs> but I was like, yo, that was a message from beyond. I cannot let these motherfuckers just run wild with my shit. Like, Lemmy would never let somebody else just run off with Motorhead. Fuck that. So, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I went and I went to battle and um, I got my settlement and, and I'm, I'm making music. Yeah, the whole Lemmy thing is pretty meaningful, man, because being I, I know that Motorhead is a huge influence on your style of playing, you know, specifically mm-hmm. Lemmy. And um, yeah, yeah, the nature of reality, man, you know, you never know with these days like there that could have been like some essence from beyond you know, motivating you Bro, to do this. it was. It fucking was. Even if it was just my mind playing tricks on me, you know what? He meant a lot to me and he was a huge inspiration and and I I think that uh, you know, for all, all those reasons and more, he he's who spoke to me. You know, and um you know, I'll tell you, man, I again I've always been willing to to try to come to amends with those guys, all of them. I, I personally feel like I feel like when, when, when you have the ability to make literally like thousands and thousands and thousands of people happy 
and you don't do it because of whatever bitterness or pride or anger or resentment that you may have in your heart towards somebody, I think that is real fucking, that's a real crime that someone would allow their own bitterness to prevent all those people from having some joy in their lives. No, I agree. You know, I think it's, I, th- I think it's shameful. I think it, it says a lot about their character. All of them. Like, dude, you'd rather sit there and be pissed off and bitter about shit and talk shit about someone that you used to be friends with than, than get up on stage and, and make a fucking lot of people happy. I mean, because really at the end of the day, you know, what the fuck is life? You know? Yeah. You want to take that bullshit with you to your grave or do you want to like make make an impact? You know, do you want to, you know, it's like all this talk about PMA, PMA, oh, fucking bullshit. You know, if you really had any fucking PMA in your soul, we would already be on stage a long time ago making people happy. Yeah, totally. I I agree. And, uh, you know, also, additionally, as great as Age of Quarrel is, I still want to hear new music from the Chromags. And I think that it's great that there's Absolutely, that, man. Yeah, that seven inch I think, came out. I think those guys should be fucking embarrassed. It's like, dude, are you guys musicians or are you a fucking tribute band? I mean, you know? Well, that that's kind of been my criticism of a lot of, um, you know, re- reunions and, you know, bands playing classic records and things like that. It's it's all well and good, but for me, as a fan of music, I just want to hear more yeah. material, you know? I mean, shit, even Black Sabbath, you know, yeah, you want to hear all the classics when you see them, but even they put out a fucking new record. Right. You know? Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and a pretty fucking damn good one. I like you that, know? I definitely like that record that came out. So, yeah, you know, I mean, and at the end of the day, you know, the difference really is, is you know, John, you know, no disrespect to him. He's not a songwriter. He doesn't know how to write music. He doesn't play an instrument. He doesn't know music. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to create it. Neither does Mackie. You know, neither of those guys could fucking whistle you a song or hum you a song because they don't have the fucking, they don't understand notes, <laughs> you know? And it's like, so you got two guys who never wrote any of the fucking music playing with two scabs who never wrote any of the music so you know it, it, that shit you know and you know what like like i said man i don't even really give a fuck anymore like i've given all these guys so many opportunities to just come to the table and talk you know and and at the end of the day yo man i got fucking rocky george on this record yeah. he's like one of the baddest of the baddest motherfuckers to ever play this type of music i got fucking gabby abularash on this record who, when he's not playing with me, he's like out playing with the fucking Gil Evans orchestra. Like he's a jazz player. He fucking plays flamenco. He's like a sick fucking guitarist, like on another level. I got two of the fucking bad at two, literally two of the best guitarists to ever play this type of music are in my fucking band and on this record. And my drummer, Gary Sullivan, I mean, he's fucking played with everybody. He's literally played with everybody from like the B-52s to the guys from P-Funk to fucking, you know, it just, his, his credentials go on and on and on. And, and every one of these guys was in the Chromex, you know, they all toured with the band for years. They all recorded with the Chromex, except for Gary. So this is actually great. This is my first record I've done with Gary and, and I've been playing with him for fucking ever, you know? So hasn't Gary played, I know that he wasn't on a record, but was he ever in the band on a touring uh, as a session? He was touring with. Uh, he started touring was in the nineties, yeah. and I, I mean, I've been I've been playing with him for fucking ages. I mean, I've toured the world with him many times. I've been all over Europe, all over America, Japan. I mean, you know, Gary's my fucking dude, man. So the seven inches out. It's on Victory, and you were saying yeah. that you have a full length recorded or ready yeah. to be recorded. No, it's done. That it's shit done. is done. I mean, I'm, I may, like I said, I'm remixing a couple of the songs. I may do one or two of the vocals over, but um, it's done. It's fucking, it's uh, about, it's a little over a half hour, about 30 something minutes. And um, I think, you know, it continues the, uh, the assault that that seven inch started. You know, it's the same type of aggression aggression. And, you know, I, I basically 
I mean, I'm not trying to like reinvent the wheel, you know, I'm, so I'm basically what I've been doing is thinking about my catalog of music and what do I like about it the most? And I've been trying to recreate those type of feelings. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily use the same notes, you know, but I, like, for instance, the, the first song on the single, you know, it obviously has a slight, uh, you know, it, it has a slight, we got to know ish type of vibe to the intro. But if you actually listen to it, you know, the notes are not the same. They're, 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 it's not the same chord progressions. The drumming isn't the same. It just has a similar vibe. So I kind of try to retrace and, and go back and touch on the things that, that I felt were the best, but without replicating them. Well, well, the intro, yeah, the intro that we got to know spawned a whole genre of music. Really, I mean, there's like that. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, that's dude, fucking. I mean, bro, like Marauder's entire first album sounds like that fucking intro rewritten twenty different ways. You know, I mean, yeah, I could, I could name like twenty bands, and that doesn't mean I don't like that album. It's just like you know, let's fucking be real here. You know, that album caused a lot of people to 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 try to write the way they were writing. You know? Yeah, definitely. You know, and you know, as a fan, when I was a kid and I heard that record, it, it definitely set itself apart from a lot of the other like hardcore punk that I was listening to at the time because of Yeah. Well, I mean the for the start is the musicianship was actually there. You know, there wasn't a lot of good hardcore bands. I mean, let's you know, as far as musicianship goes, you know, let's just fucking be real. I, I, I thought most of the early New York hardcore bands kind of sucked, honestly. And, um, you know, my favorite bands were typically always like the DC bands and, and, and even the West coast bands, to be honest, you know, no, nobody came close to the bad brands. And I think that we were like the next, uh, the next band to like kind of up that ante in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like before then, before then it was like the obvious bands, you know, minor threat, black flag, circle jerks, and, you know, the DC bands like Void, you know, so on and so on. But I think that Chromags definitely uh, changed things, and um, you know. So when it comes I'm, to the when it comes to the LP, uh, is that also going to be on Victory? Yeah, we were in okay. Victory, and in, uh, in, but also a Rising Empire. So in Europe, we so I actually have two record deals. You know, I, I, a Rising Empire is doing us in Europe, and Victory is doing us in the rest of the world. And uh, any information on when that LP might be available for everybody? We had expected it to be out this year, but realistically, it's looking like the beginning of next year. You know, and uh, there's also one other special guest on there that um, I figured since Lemmy came to me in a dream and kind of set this all in motion, I uh, reached out to his guitarist, Phil Campbell, and he's right. playing on a song. And it's fucking vicious. Nice. That's awesome. Another thing that's curious to me was that up until recently, none of the Chromags records were available on any of these streaming services. Um, and I, I am responsible for that. Okay. I threw everything up there. I, 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 part of this whole legal battle that I've been through, it's not just about like me, me, me. It's about trying to get everything put in order. The, the Chromags never got paid shit for any of our work. And, and, you know, we got really fucked over with profile records and, um, you know, that's, you know, there's so much confusion about those albums, best wishes and age of quarrel, like who even has the rights and this and that and blah, 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 blah. So, you know what? I just said, fuck it. I'm putting this shit up there. And, um, you know, I own the fucking trademark. Who's going to fucking try to stop me? And if they do try to stop me, I will go public and be like, you know what? I put this music up there for the fans. And um, where's all my back fucking payments? You know, you want to stop me from putting out, putting my music up. Okay. Where's the fucking, where's an accounting on the, on the money, you know? So uh, basically, you know, and, and so for the, for the record, you know, these songs that are going up on streams and stuff, you know, you only make a few pennies 
each time a song gets played or whatever, but I'm taking that fucking money and I'm putting it to fucking charity. And uh, all the other guys who got credited, any kind of song credits, you know, ASCAP and BMI and all these fucking, they're all going to make sure that, the, the you know, the checks get sent to whoever they're supposed to get to. And, and, you know, it's, I'm washing my hands of it. You know, I just want everybody to get what they were supposed to get. If it was up to me, everybody would benefit from their involvement and from the records they played on. I'm not the guy who's like, fuck you. I won't play with you. I'm just going to run out and be the band. You know, like I've been fucking trying to make everybody grow up for like a long time. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got like a fucking ton of excuses. Oh, Harley this, Harley that, Harley did this. You know what? That's all a bunch of fucking smoke screens and bullshit. That's just a bunch of bitter fucking old men making excuses for why they don't want to do something that every fucking buddy else wants them to do. So, you know what? You could say, Harley did this. Harley did that. You know what? And I could say, yeah, and you fucking did this and you did that. What the fuck does that even mean? I mean, dude, you motherfucking set me up to get jumped and then fucking had me fucking locked up and then went in the newspaper saying, Harley's a snitch. He's a Nazi. He's a skinhead. Like said everything you could possibly say in a newspaper to try to get someone fucked up in jail. Really, dude? That's how you fucking do me? You know, like, you know, if you want to fuck me up, man, grow a fucking pair of balls and come fuck me up. You know, don't fucking try to get me jumped by strangers. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, no, just totally, weak, that's just some weak shit. That's just some weak ass cowardly shit from a motherfucker who's always preaching about religion and PMA. Like, really, dude? You know, and, and at the end of the day, I don't even give a fuck. Like, you know, I could sit down and talk to any of them dudes anytime. I'm not fucking afraid. And I'm, I'm you know, if it was up to me, like I said, we would have all fucking settled our business a long fucking time ago. But people want to fucking hold on to like their dirty laundry and fucking piss and moan about shit. Like, dude, you know, I ain't never set nobody up to get fucking jumped. I fucking either I handle my own business or I fucking let it go. You know, well, after, in in the wake of all that sort of stuff, personally, you know, I I I, I actually don't even want to see any kind of reunion anymore. Honestly, I just um, yeah. You know what? I, honestly, bro, my only reason to do something like that ever would be for the simple reason that I'm a fan, dude. You know, I'm a fan of music. And who the fuck wouldn't, you know, I all I ever wanted to see was Black Sabbath get back together. All I ever oh, wanted yeah, to see true. was, the, you know, all I ever wanted to see was the Misfits get back together. You know, that's all I wanted. And And, you know... It's too bad they couldn't have done that shit sooner. We would have got a lot more great music, hopefully, and some great shows. I mean, it's like, you know, if you know somebody for 30 years or 40 years, even if you're fucking related to them, you're going to have drama. That's true. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And, 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 yeah, and if you can't fucking look at it and say, you know, guys, we're all at fault. And, and you know, we were all young and we were all stupid and we were all conditioned by our surroundings and our environments and the the people that had influence on us. And, and if you can't fucking accept that you make mistakes and that you, you can, you know, get past it. Well, then you fucking got some growing the fuck up to do, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I feel, I, 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 I almost feel bad for all these motherfuckers, you know, <laughs> if that even makes sense, you know? So you guys, but, um, um, you guys also did some dates with the Misfits out in the West Coast. Yeah, man. Yeah, we have three more coming up. Nice. Are they out west or out here in the East Coast somewhere? Uh, unfortunately, they're all out west. Glenn was trying to get me on the Madison Square Garden show, but the Garden uh, only wanted three bands to play for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like because of uh, time restraint or because of. You know, who knows what the red tape is. They have their their reasons. And, uh, you know, God bless Glenn. He fucking went to bat for me. He didn't even have to do that. And, you know, he gave me these shows that I've been doing. And, um, you know, he's another dude that, like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says, man. Glenn is a fucking good guy. And anybody he's ever been a dick to, I can tell you they probably fucking deserved it. You know, or they came at him in a way that caused him to be that way. You know, because he, he's a good dude. He really is. I've known him 
since I'm like fucking 12 years old, you know, and I got nothing but respect for him. And I'm just happy that those assholes were able to sort out their business. You know, I don't even give a fuck what kind of drama, if there is any, I don't care what kind of drama goes on behind the scenes. I know for a fact that for that fucking hour that they're on stage, they're having a fucking great time. And so are like 30,000 motherfuckers who never thought they'd have the opportunity to see that. And if that shit don't matter to you, I'm saying this to all the ex-fucking Chromags too. If that don't matter to you, you shouldn't be doing this shit. Because all you're doing is is, is uh, getting paid. You're just basically paying your bills. If that shit doesn't matter to you, then you're fucking, then, then you're faking the fucking funk. Yeah, it's you know, unfortunate. If you, if, if you don't really want to make all those motherfuckers happy, and if you can't just fucking suck up your pride for fucking one hour, then you're a fucking asshole, you know? It's the uh, the human ego, man, oftentimes plays a big role in these kinds of things. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's sadly part of, you know, people in bands, they get blown up, you know? You have all these people blowing smoke up your ass, and that shit can inflate your head, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's... I mean, me, I, I've been a musician my whole fucking life, so, like, you know, I... I you know, I was sort of famous before I even knew what it meant. So, you know. A few years ago, I, I interviewed you when your book came out. And um, and I got it after the, I had like literally eight hours to read it. And then I was fortunate enough to be sent a copy, a hard copy to read. And then, you know, that week I read it. And it's, Aside from being a biography, it really serves as this sort of document of New York City and, you know, a lot of stuff that people that are even into hardcore and punk don't even know about the city. And, uh, you know, I think that book was like, it's almost like a, a, you know, like a, it could be almost like a textbook of like what New York was like in the late 70s and the 80s. You know, that's actually kind of how I wanted it to be. You know, I, I wanted the city and the history of the city to be like a, a character in the book. You know, I wanted it to become something that you could identify with and whether you had been there or not, that you could really smell it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, especially these days as things so much has changed in New York and, um, you know, yeah. even, even music yeah. itself, the way music is, yeah. is, is it's completely different. And, uh, you know, so for any, anyone out there who hasn't read Harley's book, definitely check it out. You know, Feral House put it out, which is a, I own many books out of that catalog, and it was a great yeah. read. I, I, I got to say that um, Adam Parfi, you know, he's put out some crazy shit, man. God bless him. You know, he uh, he was not a, a coward as far as that went. No, he definitely, you know, definitely. I, I, you know, I, I had uh, shopped around my book to a few people before uh, I got to deal with them. And and even uh, Anthony Bourdain was helping me in that department. And he was like, you know, a lot of these publishers are just like, yeah, this, we can't touch this. This shit is too toxic. It's too, too much. And uh, that's why Feral House was the perfect place for it, because they really honestly let me write what I wanted to write. They didn't make me change anything, you know, and they also gave me the the freedom to use as many photographs as I did, you know. Yeah, some great photos in the book, definitely. Thanks. Yeah, I'm lucky I have them still, you know. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like when you have actual photographs as opposed to like JPEGs or whatever, you know, they always run the the risk of losing things and putting a box somewhere and they end up getting like lost yeah. or stolen yeah. or whatever. Is writing well, something I'm very that, lucky that there were always a lot of people around taking pictures of what I was doing because I sure as shit wasn't. And, um, you know, it also kind of, it's funny cause I did an interview with Glenn Friedman and he was like, not uh, hammering all these like so-called old school, hardcore people. He's like, all these people talk about it being there. And I was there and I was taking pictures and you were in those pictures and, None of those people were there. He's like, where are they? I, there was 20, 30 people in the room. They're not in any of these pictures. They're not there. You know, and it was just funny. It was just funny listening to him. He's just like, I was there. 
They were not. You were. <laughs> you can't really like, argue that. You can't argue something. You really like that. can't. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I could show you literally, there's like thousands of pictures of CBGBs and Maxes in the 70s leading up to the 80s. And a lot of these so called hardcore iconic people, how come there's not one photo of them standing in the audience at a, at a you know, Ramones show or Dead Boys show? How come there's no pictures of them? Like even in the background, like not looking totally punk rock, like their first show. You know what I'm saying? Like, where were you guys? You weren't fucking there. <laughs> you know? yeah, who gives a fuck? Is writing something that you still actively pursue? Like, would you do you think at some point you're going to write some other, you know, other work out there? Well, I, I, ha- I have been approached uh, for a couple of uh, different ideas that people had, um, including Feral House, they they want me to do something else. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. You follow my social media bullshit? Yeah. All right. So you see, I do write a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, so some of it may wind up becoming some sort of a of a book at some point. Like I'm really going through a lot of. Uh, self um you know soul searching and shit lately and uh i've been uh you know battling some of my old demons you know and uh and i think that that may well be part of what um what i try to do next like Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people would be interested in. And even even as like, you know, there in the last like 10 years, there's been all this big movement towards like, I hate to use the term like self-help books, but people. Who, yeah, I, I do exactly. And I'm, that's sort of kind of where I was going with yeah. this without wanting to say that, because I think that's some real cheeseball shit in a way. But, 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 you know, there's something to be said when someone that, uh, that you respect and someone that you thought was, you know, unbreakable when you when you actually realize that they struggle also. Yeah, and I think that that, you know, I think that that can be empowering for people who feel alone. You know, so um, that may be something that I would start working on. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, straight up, dude. I mean, look, you read my book and and. Uh, you know, I, I got some issues, you know, I, I, I don't deny that. Um, I have serious fucking PTSD, you know, and um, I'm finally starting to really address it. Yeah. You know, um, actually, Jocko Willink made me aware. And, uh, you know, when you have a fucking Navy SEAL tell you that you have post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, you you take it serious. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was going to say he's someone who would be able to, you know, know that, that story, you know? Yeah. That's like, you know, that's like having, you know, God tell you <laughs> like, dude, you have post-traumatic stress disorder without any question in my mind. It's like when you have someone like that sent as the messenger, you fucking, uh, you acknowledge that there's something that has to be dealt with. And, uh, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's why you see me writing all this. I hate to say self-help type shit, but, but be, let me be clear that, uh, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to, t- to preach. I'm not trying to be like, this is the, what you, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling too. And a lot of my, you know, don't give up preaching is really me trying to rewire my own thinking yeah i mean i think that's important work man i mean and especially like you know like i said there's been books out there written and that the term we talked about is kind of corny but on the other hand it's a valuable thing for people out there to read and relate to you know what i mean see that there's other people struggling they're not the only ones out there struggling I tell you, man, uh, you know, I, I don't keep going back and talking about the same old bullshit over and over and over again. But like, you know, I've had PTSD for a fucking long time, but I didn't know it. And um, Webster Hall really pushed it over the fucking edge. 
And I, I don't want to give any of those fucking bums credit with having done any kind of mental damage to me because they didn't. The damage was already there. So before you flatter yourselves, you fucking amateurs, you 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 were not responsible for anything. Um, but what but what you did do, you fucking bitches, is um, it put me in a state where. Okay, you got to figure, man. I went to see my fucking band play. Yeah, the situation went, is I, fucked up. I, I went there. To, I went there. I went there to try to fucking extend my hand to John and Mackie. You know, they knew I was coming, and I got set up, and I got invited into the dressing room by people I know, and I got jumped on by people that I know and people that I don't know, and. um I've always been very approachable. You know, I never, I'm never a dick or rude to fans, you know, if they want a selfie, whatever the fuck, I feel like, you know, it's the least I could do. Right. Yeah. But after that shit, it got to a place where I was like, you know, when people walk up to me and like, they look like they're into like hardcore, they, they look like they might be like some wannabe DMS or wannabe FSU looking tattoos and tough guy look or whatever the fact you know like when i when i see somebody like that and i notice that they notice me or recognize me i'm not really sure whether i'm they're gonna come over and want an autograph or whether i need to be ready to punch them in the fucking throat you know and that kind of fucked me up a little bit sure yeah you know and especially once you realize that a lot of your fucking so-called friends knew the shit was going to go down and didn't even fucking have decency to fucking give you a heads up. And you motherfuckers know who you are now. And, and, and I got friends of mine. I, I got people, I can't even call them friends anymore, but I got people that I know who were in the room when that shit went down. I, I got friends, people, I, I can't say friends anymore. I got people that I know that when I was getting invited into the room, they threw everybody out of the room. There was a photographer in the room. They threw him out because they didn't want anybody to get pictures or be witness. And they all started gathering around the door to jump me when I walked in. I got people I know posting about that years after the fact. Like, you know, nobody said shit then. But after they, after the smoke, you know, cleared a little bit and people weren't as a, you know, all of a sudden they started admitting what they know and what they saw. And to me, that shit's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. You yeah. Know? I mean, like, it fucks with your sense of trust and, you know, and it, yeah. it, it uh, makes you very cynical yeah. towards other people too, as well, that even aren't involved yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, really, you guys did this because of what? Because I don't fucking suck your dicks because I think that you and your gang are nothing but a bunch of fucking bullies and fucking cowards. Yeah. So what? That's what I think. You know, fuck you. You wouldn't even exist if you weren't have been trying to emulate who you thought I was when you were little starry eyed, little fucking wannabe hardcore guys. You know, all these so-called hardcore thugs, they all used to be like little starry eyed, want to suck my dick motherfuckers. And then all of a sudden they got big and grew up and got tattoos and started thinking they were tough. And it's like, you know what? Fuck all of you, man. Tough is what tough is, you know? I know dudes that will fucking rip your fucking heart out and put it in a blender and fucking drink it, you know, like, you know, and so anyway, yeah, that shit fucking fucked me up in, 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 in certain ways, you know, and then, um, and then I have a lot of childhood trauma, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, people, they see all the pictures of me with the clash and Andy Warhol and this and that and, Although they think I lived this charmed life, like it was a great experience. And, and, and it was, you know, in a certain way, but there was also a lot of fucked up shit that went down and little kids should not be in that type of environment. And, uh, you know, a lot of bad shit happened to me. Yeah, that's the you sense know, um, I get from reading the book, too. I mean, you know, I was thinking you, know, you were like 11 years old, 10 years old, 12 yeah. years old. And I thought about what yeah. I was like at that age, you know. Dude, you and know, shit is not supposed to be like that. Yeah, you Couldn't know, I mean, imagine. look, bro, you know, 
look, man, you know, people, I don't really, you know, I, I mentioned in the book that I, you know, had been molested and stuff as a kid, you know, I didn't get into it because I was like, I don't want people to turn this book into like, oh, he got molested and that's all the book's about, you know, whatever. The fact is, is most people, you know, probably get molested in their life. You know, I guarantee you like almost all women, if not, you know, 99% at least were either, I'm sure most women's first encounter with anything sexual was either through coercion or unwillingly or through, uh, you know, yeah, getting them drunk and fucking manipulating the situation. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. Okay. And, um, you know, but what people don't realize is the same shit goes for most guys, you know, most kids, I should say, you know, so, and, uh, you know, so shit like that makes you, I turned really violent and, uh, you know, I, uh, that's part of the reason why I'm struggling with all this PTSD shit is because I did a lot of really fucking crazy shit. I, I hurt a lot of people in my youth and I'm, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with it yet. Yeah, well, I mean, some people yeah. never come to that realization, though, too. You know, they just live their lives and they assume that this is yeah. like how things are, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. But I, but the thing is, uh, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, you know, for whatever reason, I started feeling a lot of guilt about it. And, uh, you know, I know that there's really no going back and fixing anything, but, but, um, at least I know that I have a conscience, you know, I'm not a, I'm not just a raging sociopath. I actually feel remorse and, um, you know, see people, motherfuckers don't get it. Like, you know, being a skinhead for me was not like about, it was, it was not a fashion statement. It wasn't because I liked boy music, you know what I'm saying? Like boy music was just punk rock with short hair, you know, it was, I was, you know, I took Clockwork Orange really serious. I mean, and I, I, you know, I have a lot of regrets about that, you know. And um, so, you know, I've been trying to fucking put shit in, 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 in place. You know, I think that's something everybody needs to do sooner or later. I, I'm very lucky. I have a lot of close friends, like uh, a lot of combat veterans and, a lot of guys who've been, you know, long prison sentences and stuff and people who've been through some rough shit, people that can understand that, like, you know, this shit rewires your, your, your brain. So I'm really lucky. I got people like that to talk to. Yeah. I mean, these days it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a, an awareness of that stuff more so than there has been. And, uh, yeah. you know, I just, Think about the years past where guys would come back from Vietnam and whatnot. They had no one, you know, no one to talk to, no support groups or anything like that. No one, no support from their friends or anybody. I, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day whose father was a Vietnam vet who killed himself because yeah. he just couldn't take it anymore. And um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been talking to this one group of uh, veterans. Uh, they have this group that they call recal recalibrate and um you know the part of what they try to do is they try to take the trauma and use it for empowerment you know they try to take the other approach like instead of it breaking you uh, it making you stronger you know and uh i'm trying to ride that that train you know how has uh, and, uh, how has your involvement with uh, with Henzo Gracie and the Gracie Academy and Jiu-Jitsu in general like uh, helped you over the years? Do you think that 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 that, that is that has been one of the things that uh, I thank God for every day, and I say God kind of loosely because I'm sort of agnostic, you know. Yeah. But uh, I I I am so grateful for the family that I have there. Henzo has really been one of my angels, and his brother Hyan, you know, from the other side, you know, he's always guarding me and um the people that i have there have been my strongest support group that's where i i found the help you know uh, i have friends there who are combat veterans who train and um 
you know, I keep talking about veterans and shit, and I'm not a veteran. I was never in the military, but they're some of the only people who can understand and 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 um, relate to the type of things that I've seen and done, and um, so they uh, they get it. Say, so I'm in a really great place in my life right now. You know, I'm like actually happier than I've ever been, and I, I. I I wonder if that has something to do with, you know, why all of this is becoming so coming to the forefront now, you know, it's like, it's a good thing though. I think everybody needs to take a look at themselves and, and understand why they do what they do. And then maybe you can fix the things that, that need to be fixed. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, an awareness that, like people live like in their own reality, they own their own experience and they don't understand sometimes. I mean, you know, everyone that you, you kind of create your own reality based on your perspective of the world. And then like, if you can also change that by changing the way you see things or addressing things that you might yeah, have done yeah. and all that sort so, of stuff. Literally, literally, sometimes it's just a matter of looking at it from a slightly different angle. And then all of a sudden you see something that you could not even see before. And, um, you know, I am grateful every fucking day and, and, you know, and I also have little breakdowns all the time, you know, but I'm always fucking grateful. And I even, you know, I, I'm even grateful for the fucking breakdowns because I'm like, you know what, the day I stop feeling bad is that's the day when there's, when, uh, that's the day when uh, I'm not honoring those that I wronged. You know, I have to feel bad about that, but I also have to compartment compartmentalize it and understand that the actions of my past, my past is not me. You know, there were a lot of circumstances that caused certain types of response and certain types of actions that might not have happened in a, in a different situation, you know, uh, let me put it this way. Okay. I, I have a friend of mine who's a homicide detective in Compton. Right. And, uh, I mean, because I used to, have, I used to hate cops and like, now I've got like a lot of really close friends to cops. <laughs> Um, as well as fucking tons of close friends who are like total criminals. I mean, I have friends of all, you know, <laughs> in all walks of life. But anyway, uh, she was telling me, you know, like there was one case she was working and she's like, you know, these four guys, they did a drive by and some gang shit, you know, like blood on blood or whatever the fuck. And she's like, you know, so they killed this dude and we busted them and whatever. And it's like, one of them was fucking, you know, four guys in the car. One of them was 14. One of them was uh, 16, the other one was 23, and the other one was 35. Damn. You know, and of course there was drugs involved and, you know, everything else. And and I know what it was like to be the 14-year-old, you know what I'm saying? And um, I know there's a lot of shit that I did because of, I want to say peer pressure, but you know, even in my book, there's a lot of shit that I did that I wouldn't have done had I not been in that situation. Yeah, it's a re- it's a response to the environment. You know what I mean? It's like you know, a lot of things are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, that's something that you know you got to fucking live with, and you got to figure out how to how to deal with. You know. And, um, yeah, man, there's this fucking documentary you should watch. It's called the, uh, the redemption of general, Butt naked. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I saw mm-hmm. the, the, the vice thing about, um, Liberia and yeah, the, now well, there's that like motherfucker, second... man, oh. it, it's worth watching. There's an actual documentary about him and it's worth watching. You know, it's, uh, 
because you know when you think about all the shit that this guy's done and everything you're like what a evil fucking motherfucker his motherfucker was a cannibal he used to yeah, eat he... babies hearts and yeah. shit and like, <laughs> like human flesh and babies and yeah stuff. you know not even just human flesh but like cutting the heart out of like living babies and yeah. eating them and, make it, and making your soldiers eat them i mean but then like you know yeah so like your first impression is this guy is like too evil to walk the earth <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, you realize that, wow, this guy was like indoctrinated into like crazy voodoo shit in his tribe where he, he was like a, a witch doctor at like the age of 11 and was like, you know, this is a, a part of Africa where shit like cannibalism goes down, you know, and, yeah. you know, you were talking about serious violence and war and destruction and, and in a world like that, you know, in, in a world of savages, only the most savage can rise to the top. Like yeah, if it, you want, you know, the, the king has to be the most savage or your heart is getting fucking eaten. And so, you know, to hear, you know, you know, I, obviously at 11 years old, this guy cannot be considered fully responsible for, for his actions. And when you keep compounding that and compounding it and, and adding to the bloodshed and the violence around him and, you know, all of that shit, it's really no wonder that people can become the savages that they become. And, uh, you know, this guy's like doing everything he can to try to make amends. He's like running around finding the victims of his fucking crimes and like throwing himself at their mercy, you know, and making himself available, you know. He's a fucking pastor now for fuck's sake. I didn't know yeah. there I didn't know there was a second part to this guy's story, honestly, man. I got to check that no, out. No, man, this guy this, you got to watch this documentary because, you know, as fucked up as this dude is, you know, it's like impossible to to forgive someone like that, you know. But if you can understand that you take a, you know, you could have taken that same 11 year old and raised him totally differently. And he might've been an amazing fucking person, you know? And, and when you see the power that he has as a speaker, you could just see the kind of leader he probably was and, and what a scary motherfucker he could, could be. And you could take that same intensity and, and use it for good. That's, um, that's some some uh, mountain moving shit right there. Yeah, definitely gotta yeah. check that. Is it on Netflix or YouTube or you know, is there a way to watch that? Somewhere? Oh, I just found it on YouTube and watched it a bunch of times. I mean, I actually watched I watched it twice. The first time I, I watched it halfway through, and I had to stop watching because I was like, man, this guy's like eating baby hearts. I can't fucking I can't watch yeah. this shit. Yeah. This motherfucker <laughs> is just too much. But then I was just like, I gotta fucking see what it is that what made him. You know, what made him change. And of course, you know, it's all about Jesus and this and that, you know, he found Jesus, you know, you know, God bless, man. If that's what it took, man, you know, whatever it takes, you know, is, is, is a good thing once you find it, you know? So when, when did you start training at, uh, at the Gracie Academy? That was like back in, in the beginning, right? Like in the nineties. Oh yeah, man. I started training with Henzo in um, like January of 96. Um, I now I run the kids program, yeah. believe it or not. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm respected and loved by little kids and parents, you know, who, who, who knew, <laughs> you know, who could have guessed. And back, but, um, back in 96, I think I only knew of like one other person who I, I didn't even know about jujitsu prior to 96. Most people didn't. Yeah. Most people really did not. You know, I, I discovered it in, 93 uh with like ufc one and right. ufc two and I, and I was just like yo if i ever find one of these gracie motherfuckers i'm getting down and um you know i was lucky that um henzo moved to new york and and i've been with him ever since now training you know you i think people in general who uh they walk in on their first day there and they might have like a certain sense about where they, you know, what their abilities are as like a fighter or a martial artist or whatever. Even if you trained other martial arts, how different is it on that first day to realize where you actually fit 
in the hierarchy of things. Well, you figure out pretty quick that you don't know anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, and I'll tell you one thing, man, you could be an athlete like a motherfucker. You could be like a long distance runner and you will be blown away at the type of cardio that it requires and uh, what it takes out of you. Yeah, it's hard to come back, man. It's hard to go in for that first day and then come back. I'll for tell day you, two. you know, the, the, the people that stick with it, you know, there's, they're, they're either really crazy or, or they're just on a mission to really improve their lives. Like, you know, it's just, uh, it's no bullshit, man. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is really the closest thing, I think, to fighting that you can do as a sport. You know, like where it's not actual MMA, but it's like, you know, you're really learning how to go against somebody. Like, you're not fucking practicing kata and you're not doing like rehearsed movements at someone who's going to attack you in this specific way. It's like, no, man, you're fucking going at it, man. Yeah, and also and, um, like like even in like kickboxing, like when you're sparring, unless you're in an actual, you know, you're 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 in a fight, you know. But when you're sparring and kickboxing, it's like you're still not going 100. percent You're going like maybe 70, 80 percent, mostly 50 percent. But in, yeah, it's just a different thing, man. Yeah. It's really just you know, it, grappling is like nonstop resistance training. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like it's it's just you know, and I, I honestly, you know, I have, I haven't rolled in a while because i actually i'm coming back i'm coming off back surgery so like i've been teaching and i've been drilling moves but um i'm still recovering you know and i've been doing uh physical therapy and shit actually that's also part of the reason why i think i started kind of having a little bit of a mental i don't want to say breakdown but uh i didn't have anywhere to put all my my uh, energy like yeah, that's a common thing know? man like when when you yeah you're used to going somewhere every day and doing certain things and expending a certain yeah. amount of energy. And then you have to, and then all of a sudden you have all this free time where your brain is just oh, like yeah. fucking chewing holes in your fucking skull. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. How, um, how, I mean, also the other, another grim reality too, of, of training any kind of grappling or martial arts is the inevitable injuries. So have you stayed, fairly aside from your obvious back surgery yeah i've been i've been pretty good as far as jujitsu injuries i mean i've had a couple but most of my injuries just come from you know life i mean i I had like a bad spinal cord injury that i wasn't even aware of and that is it may have been a little bit compounded by the jujitsu but it actually stems from like a couple car accidents when i was young and and believe it or not like 40 years worth of fucking head bangings stage diving and oh, slam yeah. dancing did mm-hmm. not fucking help. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, the fucking Tom Mariah had back surgery, you know, <laughs> come on, man. You know, I've lived a little fucking harder than him, you know, just a little. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, most of my injuries just come from fucking life. You know, it's really hard to live life and not have some injuries, especially if you do any kind of sport. I mean, you fucking play ping pong, you're going to fucking have, you know, <laughs> elbow issues or whatever the fuck you know yeah well uh, thank you very much man you've been very generous of your time and um yeah i really appreciate oh, bro, it it's, it's all good man I, I you know i'm sure there's a lot of things i wish i would have touched on uh there's a lot of things i didn't in- anticipate touching on yeah. Yeah. um you know but uh i mean i guess the one thing i'll, I'll close this out with is you know um I think it's really important for people to uh, to seek help if they need it. You know, like I wanted to learn jujitsu. I went and I fucking found Henzo Gracie. You know, you 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 can't teach jujitsu to yourself. You can't like watch YouTube videos and figure it out. And and the same way you can't you can't necessarily fix your mental or emotional issues by yourself. Sometimes you need to go find that black belt, you know, that, that person. And I don't mean like martial artist black belt. I mean like a black belt at life, someone who, who really, and, and they're not going to be able to fix you, but they might be able to 
they might be able to say something that will help you be able to fix yourself. That's good advice. Uh, you know, I think every one of us is damaged. I think, you know, think about it, man, from, from your first experience in life, you know, you're in this warm place, dark, you've been there growing, developing, and all of a sudden you're like out in the world, the fucking lights are on, there's a doctor smacking your ass and cutting your fucking dick tip off and what the fuck is going on? Like, this is how your life starts. <laughs> That's not traumatizing. Nuts, I don't know what the fuck is. Like, I've been out of the fucking vagina for two seconds and you're cutting my dick off and smacking me around. <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? You know, holy shit. So, you know what? Life is traumatizing. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a fucking, you know, whether you're a fucking general butt naked or motherfucking Ivanka Trump, you know, <laughs> you're going to experience trauma. I'd almost rather be general butt naked than have fucking Donald Trump as my dad. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but, you know, my point is, is life is fucking no joke and we're all damaged and that's okay. We can, we, we can, uh, we can still do well. You know, we can still do great things. And, um, you know, the, 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 I think the most important thing is to fucking realize your mistakes and, and change. You know, I, I wish that John and Paris and Doug, and I, I wish they could, I wish they could recognize their own mistakes. And I wish that they could change. And, uh, you know, I'm working on me. You know, I can only clean my side of the street and yeah, yeah. I don't fucking hate any, I don't hate any of those guys I'm very disappointed with what the fuck uh, went down I'm, I'm really I'm very disappointed with John I think what he did was wrong he can make all the excuses he wants you know Harley this Harley that dude what you did was wrong and, and until you can face that you know you don't even deserve to have fans dude you know before we sign off, is there any place that uh, people can go to find out about, you know, information on the Chromags or, you know, what you got going on and tour dates like that? Yeah, man, I'm all over fucking social media. You know, people fucking go look at uh, Real Chromags on Instagram. That that page has most of the information up. HarleyFlanagan.com. Um, you know, I'm up on, you know, fucking Instagram and Facebook and all that bullshit. Um, if you want to know, you can find out. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, you know, everybody out there, man, fucking be well, kick ass and do great things, you know? Once again, thanks a lot, Harley. And I wish you luck with everything. And I'm looking forward to hearing more, more, hold on, let me hit that again. And I'm looking forward, (laughs) (laughs) I got a little tongue tied there. Yeah, it's all good. (laughs) No, bro, I, I, I look forward to, uh, crossing paths and, uh, and, and I can't wait for you to hear the new music. I'm, I'm very curious to what you'll think. Yeah, man. All right. Take care. Have a good day now. Right on. You too, bro. Take care. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Yeah.
Makes me feel this way.